In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Today we're going to talk about sacrifice. Oh, gee, sacrifice. That word probably has a negative connotation for you, I'm guessing. Especially if if you're new to Christianity or you're just exploring the faith, it might sort of seem a little bit odd to you, even frightening, at how much sacrificial imagery and, and all these sacrificial terms that we use in Christianity. So, for example, the big story in Christianity, the sacrificial death of Jesus, right? Better yet, more frightening, our death with, with Him. How about this? We have a sacrificial altar in the center of our physical worship space. Does that freak you out? We use incense like the smoke, to to depict the smoke of a rising sacrifice to heaven. And then we uh, give, we take our money and we, we, our possessions, and we, we give it in what we call an offering, right? Sacrificial imagery is everywhere. Um, I grew up in the Baptist tradition, and when we talked about sacrifice as a kid, I, I was, I was sure that God was going to ask me, and I think every Baptist kid felt this way, to sacrifice my friends, my parents, video games, my favorite food, pizza, candy, and go to a God-forsaken, deserted continent to live without electricity for the rest of my days to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? We were going to sacrifice as missionaries. Um, I don't know what it means that God did call me to the cathedral and not a, a deserted continent. I don't know what that says about you all, but <laughs> sacrifice, whether you're, you grew up in Christianity or whether you're, you're new to the faith, it, it, it probably has a negative connotation. So listen, good news. Today, as we continue our study in the book of Romans, chapter 12, we're going to focus on verses 1 and 2, St. Paul is going to redefine Christian sacrifice. He's going to redefine sacrifice. Maybe he'll clarify some things for you. If you've been tracking with us this summer, and I think you can find the sermons at our website so you can catch up if you need to, in chapters 1 through 11 of the book of Romans, Paul has been telling us God's plan to save the world. God's plan to save the world, chapters 1 through 11. Now, today, we begin a new section in the book of Romans, chapters 12 through 15, and this section is about how we respond, how the church at Rome will respond to all that God has done in chapters 1 through 11. Chapters 1 through 11, this is what God does, chapter 12 through 15, this is how we respond to Him. Namely, Paul says we respond to chapters 1 through 11 like this, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So Christian sacrifice is our subject today, and here's what St. Paul says about that subject. Three things. First, Christian sacrifice has a distinct essence, a distinct substance, nature. Here's the second thing. Christian sacrifice has a distinct motivating energy What drives us to sacrifice ourselves to God 
is maybe different from other religions, has a distinct essence, a distinct energy. And here's the last thing. Christian sacrifice has a distinct end, a distinct goal, a distinct goal. First, take your scripture bulletins, uh, your scripture passages out of your bulletin, if you will. Follow along with me. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. We talk about Christian sacrifice, Paul's redefinition of it. Here's the essence of Christian sacrifice. Here's what makes it distinct, what makes it different. God wants a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Did you get that? Now, you can imagine Paul's Jewish Christian audience in Rome hearing this scripture passage read aloud, this letter from the apostle read aloud to them. And when they hear, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, you can imagine what Jewish Christians would think, right? Oh, I I know what a sacrifice is. They're thinking of the Jewish temple, the sacrifices for atonement, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Um, It's a bloody process whereby animals are put to death on behalf of us and so on and so forth. Now, on the other hand, Gentile Christians in the church at Rome would have heard Paul talking about this and thought, oh yeah, we got this. Because back at Rome, in the center of the city perhaps, lots of sacrifices were being offered to lots of different pagan deities. But Paul says he turns it around. Paul says, yes, God wants you to respond to him, like in these other religious cultic practices, but he doesn't want you dead. At least he doesn't want you dead like an animal. He wants you dead to sin, but alive to Jesus Christ. Remember that in Romans? So how can we be living sacrifices? Because we're, we've already died to sin. Now we're alive again, made new, brand new, given new power to obey God that we never had before. Um, notice he also says, not just living, but present your, what, bodies, not just your minds, not just your hearts, not just your arms, your legs, your feet, your head, your eyes, present your whole self to God, a living sacrifice. God wants every part of us. He wants the you that wakes up every day and longs to live every moment in response to his love for you. That's what it means to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He wants your thoughts, your words, your deeds, your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet, your dreams, your desires, your sexuality, your appetites, every single part of you. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Um, You might have recognized today's epistle lesson uh, from a later part in our liturgy when the priest will introduce the offering, sometimes using these words, right? Present, present, um, Paul reminds us, present your, your bodies as a living sacrifice. In the prayer book, where it comes to the offertory, um, the prayer book says this, explains it this way. Representatives of the congregation bring the people's offerings of bread and wine and money or other gifts to be presented and placed on the altar. So in a few minutes, you'll see these gifts, bread, wine, money, other gifts, processed forward and placed on the altar. Uh, this part of the liturgy, the offertory, is, is, is in some of our oldest services of Christianity. Did you know that? In essence, preachers have been asking for money for a long time. 
But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. St. Augustine says it this way, in the part of the service where the, the gifts of bread and wine that, by the way, bread that human hands have made, wine that human hands have uh, tended to, money that humans use, comes forward. St. Augustine was talking to a group of new Christians, and he said, look there on the altar. There you are. You are in the chalice. Because when we present the gifts to God, we present symbolically ourselves. We present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. This is the essence of Christian sacrifice. It's living, not dead, and it's a body, a whole self thing, not just a part of us. Here's the second thing Paul tells us about Christian sacrifice. It has a distinct energy, a different motivation. Something different is driving it. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. Paul's used this context word, therefore, multiple times in Romans. And remember, when we see it, it takes us backwards into the text to remember what Paul's been talking about. What's Paul been talking about that would motivate us to give ourselves wholly to God? That's easy. Romans 1 through 11. All that God has done for us. More pointedly, Paul gives us a a cheat sheet answer here. It's by the mercies of God. This is our motivation. So, in other religions, sacrifices to deities may be offered up under threat of harm, right? Well, like a cold ritual transaction being demanded from, from a powerful deity to a humble, uh, from a humble human. It's sort of motivated by sheer duty, like, God, we're going to give you these sacrifices, let them rise to heaven, so please don't hurt us, don't, don't ruin our crops, you know, give us rain, you know, that, that kind of thing but not for Christians. This is not the motivation of our presenting ourselves to God. The energy is different. Our God desires that we offer Him our whole selves only after He has poured out upon us His mercies. Notice the plural in the text. Mercies in Jesus Christ. So living the Christian life isn't a series of sacrificial transactions with God. God, here's a good deed. Please don't hurt me. God, here's a good, here's a good deed. Please make this job interview go well. God, here's, a, here's me obeying your commandments. Please help my marriage. Please make my kids obey me. That's, that's not the Christian life. We're motivated by what he's done for us to the point that it just comes out of us naturally. We don't need to be commanded to give It's as if Paul doesn't say, therefore, I command you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. He says what? I appeal to you. I beseech you. I urge you. It's like Paul knows that you don't have to be commanded to respond to God in sacrifice once you've experienced God's love. Author and pastor John Piper, uh, following in the intellectual tradition of St. Augustine and Jonathan Edwards and C.S. Lewis, Piper illustrates this energizing force behind our Christian sacrifice this way. He says, duty, duty is good. Doing something out of duty is good. But delight, delight is better. Duty is good, but delight is better. And he further illustrates it this way. Josh comes home on his uh, wedding anniversary and brings to Mindy a a, a, a bouquet of flowers, 
He holds them up, rings the doorbell. Mindy comes to the door, answers the door. Josh gives them to Mindy. And Mindy, you know, is elated. Oh, thank you. They're beautiful. Why did you do this? And Piper says, here's what you wouldn't expect. Josh says, oh, Mindy, by all means, don't thank me. It was my duty. John Piper says, so, so what's wrong with that, right? I mean, is duty a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing, but it can only take you so far, Piper writes. If you want romance, duty won't reach. Josh should have responded like this, oh, I couldn't help myself, Mindy. My happiness with you and our marriage just got out of hand. In fact, to make my day, I'd really enjoy taking you out tonight. Christians, we offer ourselves as a sacrifice to God out of delight and desire, motivated and energized by the mercies of God for us, not because we think he's gonna harm us. And this is the distinct energy of Christian sacrifice. So it's essence, it's a living bodily thing. It's energy motivated by delight and desire more than duty and its end, its end. What's the goal? Paul wants us to see the distinct end of Christian sacrifice. Is it to appease an angry God? Is God wanting us to give him our obedience or else he's going to rain his terror upon us? No. It's not even to to get God to love us more. That's not how our Christian God works. Think of all that Paul has told us in Romans 1 through 11. God loves us because he made us and because he redeemed us in his son, Jesus Christ, not because of something that we've done. So the goal of Christian sacrifice then is our transformation. Listen to how Paul says it in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to this world or age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind be transformed. We give ourselves to God to be transformed by God, to be made into the image of God. So this is the way, uh, this is the word transformed that is used elsewhere in the Gospels to talk about Jesus when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you remember that story? Jesus takes Peter and James and his brother John. They go up to a high mountain. He was transfigured before them. Matthew tells us, and Jesus' face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, this is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased. That is our destiny as those being transfigured by God when we present ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. The end, the goal of Christian sacrifice is our transformation. Well, I'll close today with uh, an illustration of, of, of Christian sacrifice. Uh, for Father's Day earlier this year, Daphne made me this uh, card. It says, Daddy, when you hold my, and then two, two handprints, can you see the handprints? You hold my heart. Daddy, when you hold my hands, you hold my heart. These are like, this is her hands. It seems kind of rather large to me now that I look at it. Um, As you can imagine, uh, Mindy and Josh did not need to complete our interior decor, a picture of two 
baby girl handprints on our refrigerator, right? We did not need that to, uh, to make our home decor complete. In fact, I can't even sell this on eBay and get any money for it. <laughs> In some ways, it's, it's, it's kind of worthless, isn't it? Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't need this. I don't need this in the way we, we would normally use the word need. It's a simple offering, isn't it? It's made with my daughter's physical handprints. I love the fact that it's not just the word hands. It's her hands, like Daphne's fingerprint hands. You can see her little prints, very individual It's an offering to her father from her physical self that I don't really need, but man, do I love to see it on my refrigerator every day. Today, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, we might add, sons and daughters of God. In light of how much God has lavished his love on you, Romans 1 through 11. Present to God your handprints, your physical selves, all the stuff you got, your job, your marriage, your singleness, your dreams, your addictions, your griefs, your illness, your fears, your thoughts, your words, your deeds. Give him everything as a living sacrifice. And do so not because he can make money off it on eBay, but do so just because you love him. Even more than that, do so. Do so because God is crazy in love with you, his sons and daughters. This is the essence and the energy and the end of Christian sacrifice. Amen.